Pat's Interference is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. All right, as we roll into the middle of May here, it is a slow period for the Patriots, of course. This episode of the Pat's Interference podcast brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Uh, my schedule comes down to Tuesdays and Thursdays because that's when I go back down to Gillette Stadium. We're talking to free agents. They're in the off-season program, which is still voluntary, a lot of classrooms, some conditioning, and some on-field work. So, yeah, it's a little slow. There's not a whole lot going on. We're recording here on Monday. We're talking to Riley Reef, new offensive tackle on Tuesday. I've never met Riley. He's been around the league. He might have some good stories, but it's a lot of small talk, nice to meet you. So let's turn up the heat here. And I thought, who better to turn up the heat than Sweet Feet, James White, three-time Super Bowl champion, two-time dad, future Patriots Hall of Famer, coming off of a successful Mother's Day as we just talked off the air, James. I appreciate you coming on because we're going to go behind the scenes here today. And I just summarize OTAs in mini camps as classroom, conditioning, and cafeteria. Am I missing anything? This feels like first day of school kind of vibes. No, that's pretty much it. You just come in first, first few weeks, just strictly weight room, conditioning, not too much football going on. Just with the strength coaches, maybe meet with your position coach maybe once a week or so just to talk about you know, individual goals or whatnot. Then as the week goes on, this slowly or the weeks go on, the months go on, slowly starts to ramp up a little bit more from the you know, OTA practices to minicamp. But it's pretty much just making sure everybody's in shape, seeing how much information you can retain, especially now they have a new offensive coordinator. So there's going to be a lot of installation going on. It's going to be a lot new for every single person in that building. So this is a, a very important time. I think it's kind of different than for myself. I know. Last year when I retired, obviously it was a new offensive coordinator with Matty P and Joe Judd. So right. there's a lot of learning going on at this point. So it's Billy O seeing how much these guys are willing to learn, who is willing to put the work in from this point on till training camp and throughout the season. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're going to throw in a lot of concepts that you may not even actually execute when the season comes around. And we would do that a bunch. We'd always come in during the off season. They throw all this information at us. You have a hundred new code words, and then you come into the season, you only use about five to ten of them. And we had sixty <laughs> of them or whatever. So it's just it's a time to test stuff as well. So I think that's the way the coaches kind of look at it. But I think it's going to be a little bit different for the guys this year because, like I said, new offensive coordinator. There's a lot of learning for everybody, and they want to have an improved offensive performance based off of last season. So there's a lot to work on. All right, I have so many questions, which you saw half of them because I emailed them to you beforehand, our typical rundown. But after that spiel, I want to start um, with the code words. There were uh, close to 100, and you only got to five during the season. Was Josh just toying with you the whole time? Yeah, I mean, they, like I said, they just, they're just kind of testing to see what all can everybody retain and see, like, going into a week, could be have probably more code words than necessary. I mean, yeah, there's only going to be so many that – actually working can be actually executed against the defense that you're going up against. And a lot of times with the same plays are working, you're going to keep repeating it. So that's kind of how it works. But yeah, we would, we would go into the, I remember like probably my third or fourth year, like in our running back meet, we had like a whole like dry erase board, just like full of words, like plays one way, plays the opposite way, you know, a word to flip the play. It's, it was just a, a lot of information. But then when the season came around, like, I feel like we probably use like the same 10 or so. Like, I mean, obviously week to week, they would add some new ones, you know, based off the team we were playing. But I said, OTAs is a, it's a lot. It's a test run in a sense. Let's see <laughs> what right. guys can do, what guys can retain the most information, what guys are versatile, you know, 
what backs can, you know, potentially learn the sub back role at this point. You know, what what guy, what guys a receiver can learn X, Z, F, what well, how multiple can you be? I think this is a very important time of year. So the code words, I mean, you kind of hit it on there. Let's just stay there for a second because, again, it's a lot of installation. I talked about classroom. When you get on the field, you get to see how it looks, and I'm sure that's when they go, well, if we can't do this without pads, this is not going to happen when we put them on. And then training camp gets into a crunch. I mean, we saw it last year. I don't know if you went down to training camp, but it's two weeks in. The run blocking was really struggling, and you're going, okay, we're running out of time. We got joint practice with Carolina, and that's when, at least to the outside, it was like, this might be trouble. We all know what happened. Um, so these are not just like – Hey, we're going no huddle and we're going to that one word, you know, concept. It's like, you know, sliding the line, different protections, different run calls, check with me. It's like everything is 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 coming at you. Yeah. Everything's coming at you. But I think like when I was there, like obviously the offense had been in place for so long. Josh had been in place for so long. So we were putting in, you know, like code words just for essentially just plays. I mean, there would be like different code words for probably protections and and routes and adding different words or routes and checks and all that stuff. But like right now, I mean, I don't know if they're going to be installing no huddle at this point because it's still early on, but you got to learn all of the verbiage. It's going to be, like I said, it's going to be so much thrown at you. It's kind of like last season. Like you said, like their OTA practices, they're installing the runs and code words and all that stuff. You get to training camp. It's not quite as sharp because it's probably guys, you're still learning the plays, you're learning the code words. You haven't necessarily blocked, you know, these new plays with the person next to you. So it it takes time and it's it's tough, but I said it's it's a fun time of year. And it's, even when there's no pads, it's important. Even during the year, you're not practicing in pads. Right. You know, every you have one padded practice a week or so. So it just comes with the territory. That's the way the NFL has has turned. It's gonna be a little bit less physical during the week. So you can be at your best come Sunday, Monday, Thursday, whatever it may be. So I said. No matter what, it's the OTA practice, training camp practice, you know, regular season practice, whatever it is, it's it's all important. And as the coach is trying to see, you know, who can go out there and make the least mistakes, who can who can they count on, you know, a certain situation, certain situations, whether it's first down, second down, third down, fourth down, special teams, it's just a it's a small, you know, sample size of what somebody could do at this point, and it. It doesn't mean everything. I mean, there's guys that have great OTAs and the training camp comes around, they don't do anything, or vice versa. They have guys who don't do anything, their OTAs and training camp comes around, they do amazing. So, <laughs> all right, let's name a couple of those people because that, that's really interesting. That was the next question is you now, veteran broadcaster, member of the media, you're catching on, you're leading me into what we're going to talk about next. And it's just, you know, as, as, as you know, or I, I don't know if you ever read, when the media goes to three out of nine or 10 OTA practices, you know, we treat it like a training camp practice because this is our first look at now what will be the 2023 team or every year that we covered, you know, the, the upcoming season. So who are some guys who, you know, we'll see once every once in a while, maybe we get a good look at them, but consistently just struggled in OTAs and then took off that you were teammates with, you know, when when the chips were down. Ooh, struggled. <laughs> in, in quotes we're not you know bashing yeah, anyone yeah. here but it was kind of like yeah. you got practice players you got sunday guys yeah okay, i go. do the positive side at first yeah yeah uh, i'll go with jacoby myers like his you know his first year there you know undrafted rookie just you know you're not getting many reps at first and then makes a play then next day makes two plays and next play he's making three plays and it's like that man this guy's <laughs> Maybe this guy should have been the guy we drafted. You know, him him and the kill got drafted or were in the same draft class. Yeah. And you know, he's outperforming the kill, you know, during OTAs. And, you know, sure enough, he ended up being 
you know, the guy that we ended up relying on as the years went more and more on. So that's just a prime example there, but somebody who struggled out. Knowing again, they, you know, they, they, yeah, they came around like, yeah, I mean, it's tough to say because like every, every, everybody has, you know, a few practices because, Right. No, it's OTAs. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing too, is, you know, that, that leads to the bigger question of how yeah. much can you tell about a team when it's mid-May, the pads are off, it's voluntary. And the rookies right now, as we speak, are, have started their own mini camp. Like they're not even involved yet. They're being, you know, drawn along and, and drawn in. So is there much to be told? Is it an individual basis? I know it's every year is different, you know, pick the bill cliche, yeah. but can you tell something about a team, just the attitude, the work ethic, the kind of identity? Because that's when it starts. You hear champions go, we knew it in the spring. And part of that is, you know, history is written by the winners, right? So I'm not going to go fact check if you win the Super Bowl. May, OTAs, like, that's probably true. I don't know. I have better things to do and check it. But can you tell that early if maybe we have something here? Yeah, you definitely can. Like I said, you build that chemistry, whether, I mean, for – New England, I've never been anywhere else. It's majority of passing camp when it comes to OTAs. So you're going to be throwing the ball a whole lot. So the most runs you're going to get is up against bags, up against your own offense. So, you know, you want to be able to just execute. You want to make sure you're executing your assignments at a high level. I think that's that's what I kind of alluded to earlier. It's, it's more mental than physical, more than, anything, more than anything aside from, like, the you know, the workouts you do with Moses Cabrera. He He's gonna run you <laughs> right to the ground. That's my guy. But you're gonna you're running to the ground. Make sure you're in condition when the season comes around. So, I think you definitely can see what a team is going to be like. It doesn't tell everything, but you can see, get a glimpse of what the possibilities can be. If you're if you got an offense out there, you guys are you know making mental errors every other play. It's probably a good chance <laughs> that's gonna carry over into training camp and the beginning of the season. If you have you know. You make it one mistake every other drive, mental error, then you, you probably have a little bit more confidence going into the season. I think that's kind of what you get a feel for. It's not a tell all be all because, you know, obviously, like I said new offense, new offensive coordinator, new players, everything's not going to go perfect. But at the end of the day, if guys are putting the best, putting their best foot forward and, you know, not making the same mistakes on a day to day basis or period to period basis, I think that's when you kind of, Build more confidence, probably as a coach and as an offense and the defense on special teams. I think that's where you kind of start to see that chemistry there. Well, let me, you know, we talked about Jacoby Myers in 2019, and that was a guy also you saw in training camp. And I'm just going second week going, this guy's going to make the team. Now, part of it was that's a receiving core that in the next few weeks added Demarius Thomas and Antonio Brown and Josh Gordon came back. And there was a reason because <laughs> there were roster spots available with the group that you had in late July and early August. But, you know, two years later, we're all watching Mac. He's battling with Kim. You're there watching that unfold. Was that a guy who also started fast in OTAs? Because, you know, I've said it before. You hear it all the time. Mac's superpower, some of his strengths, you know, that mental capacity, the quick processing, yeah. diagnosing plays, checking into the right ones. The new system seemed to confound, not confound, but slow everyone last year. This new system at least comes from Alabama and with a guy who had a background laying the same offense in the foundation that Josh did. So he's transitioning and adjusting, but probably less so than a year ago. Like, did you see him pick it up quickly in, in 2021? Do you expect the same here this spring? 100%. He was a guy, you know, as a rookie, as a quarterback, it's tough being kind of thrown to the fire, first-round draft pick, especially coming into a Josh McDaniel system where he kind of – he's just he's just throwing everything at you. He's not he's not holding back. He's going to see how much information you can retain and see if you can go out there and execute it. And obviously, 
you know your first few weeks aren't going to be perfect as a quarterback, but I said week in, week out, you just get better and better and better. And then it kind of led to him, you know, when everybody kind of says in command of the huddle, he's being a little bit more vocal. He's he's making the checks. He's, you know, he's lifting people up if, or he's he makes a mistake. He's he's able to get himself out of it. It's, he, just, he just continued to grow week in and week out. By the time like we got to, like, I think it was, we scrimmaged against the or had joint practices with the Giants. Yeah, you can really tell. You can really tell. Like at that point, he was, you know, turning to the guy in a sense, and everybody kind of got a feel for that. He's just going out there making the throws. You know, two minute drill, whatever it may be situations. He's he's executing at a high level. You don't necessarily see that at that point for a lot of rookie quarterbacks. So I think that's where they kind of got the boost of confidence to give him the starting role, and he earned it. And I don't think he'll have any issues. Yeah. I don't think he'll have any issues learning the Bill O'Brien system. I think it'd be a very similar situation. I think he's going to be even more motivated at this point, especially after last year and everybody kind of debating between him and, you know, Zappy. Zap, you know, he went in and did his job when, you know, the team called upon him. It's going to be pretty sure. I don't know how how many quarterbacks do they have in there, like four or five quarterbacks now. So I'm sure he's going to be, you know, feeling some type of way about that. I mean, I, I probably would if I, if I was him and I say either going to make you or it's going to break you. So, <laughs> All right. Well, that leads me into my next question. And this is the laziest question I've ever asked here in the Pats Interference podcast, because I'm going to ask you to tell me how to do my job. You mentioned Mac and Zappi. We're going to be keeping stats when we get to see this first OTA practice open to the media. I think it's a good glimpse. It's not a stat just to be taken to the bank and a be all end all. Um, is that the most important thing as far as the, you know, taking the temperature of the passing offense? You mentioned it's mostly a passing camp in New England. And if not, give me some other things where fans at home, when they're reading all of our practice recaps, you know, focus on X, Y, and Z. And then for me, tell me where I should be focusing beyond the kind of the standard stuff that that we do every practice, targets, completion percentage, depth of throws, pressures allowed, all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to say in a sense, but. I would, I would say completion percentage is huge. I mean, there's no true pass rush right now. You're not going to actually get – none of the quarterbacks are actually going to get hit. So the ball honestly shouldn't be hitting the ground too many times. I mean, obviously, unless people are just getting covered up, then it's hard to yeah. <laughs> complete passes and whatnot. So I think that's pretty important. It's kind of hard to tell you what exactly to look for. But I would say completion percentage – I wouldn't say depth of throw and things of that nature is huge, but – for me, I just like to see the quarterback completing passes, get into the open guy, you know, not holding on to the ball too long because obviously, like I said, you're not getting hit. So you're not going to get a true feel of your pocket presence at this point. But you want to get to the line of scrimmage, get in and out of the huddle, get the ball to the open receiver, you know, boom, get to the next play. And I think that's probably the most important thing at this point during the year. Okay, so we've talked about a couple of rookies, and as I mentioned, they're doing the rookie minicamp now. I think it'd be way too early to put any sort of assessment. Now, granted, if Christian Gonzalez is sticking to every single receiver like the jersey that yeah. they're wearing downfield, great sign, yeah. but you want to see it with the pads yeah. on. Um, Cole Strange and Tyquan Thornton are entering a real critical year, too, here, in that Cole was a starter last year. Tyquan was someone not only they selected in the second round, but traded up for. Incredible speed. We know what he brings. Probably an underwhelming rookie season. Granted, he dealt with a broken collarbone. It's tough to jump in in the middle of a season as a rookie. You, however, know what it's like to make a big leap from your rookie year to year two. And then, you know, perhaps arguable should have been Super Bowl MVP in year three. Whether it's your career in that spring of year two or teammates you had who made that similar leap. Could you see signs there where, 
you know, obviously if Taekwon's getting open the whole time or no one can get around Cole Strange, those are signs they made progress. But what does that look like working with those guys day to day when you say, okay, something's different about him and it, it's all going forward here? I think it starts at this point right now. I know for me, honestly, it did. I mean, those guys played a lot more football. Taekwon, Cole, they played a lot more football in their rookie year than I did. But for myself, after my rookie season, I had to look myself in the mirror, figure out how I could be better and show the co- show the coaches that I could be a player that could be relied upon and that can go out there and get the job done, whatever role they see fit. So I feel like those guys, you know, you want to build off what you did last year. And it starts at this point. And I said, for me, like everyone on one, everyone on one rep, I wanted to win, whether it was, you know, team drill, um, you know, one-on-one drill, three-on-three drill, whatever we did, I wanted to try and win every single rep. It was protections. I don't want to miss any protections. And I think when you, if it's Taekwons, for instance, they don't do one-on-ones during OTAs, but you do two-on-twos, three-on-threes, you know, be in the right spots, get open, catch the football, show you're going to make the right after the catch. Obviously, you're not going to get tackled, but, you know, finish. And if you're cold, you're not getting true pass blocking reps when <laughs> at this point in the year, but, you know, fit up on the defenders, be able to pass off the games, make sure you're not making mental errors. I think if you're able to show the coaches, you know, you're not making the same mistakes as you were in the previous season and you're a little bit more sharp, I think those guys, obviously they're going to be learning something new. So it's a little bit of, I don't have to deal with that. So that's going to be a whole another learning curve that they have to take on. But it definitely starts at OTA to start at that point for me because I'm sure they looked at me completely different <laughs> than my rookie year OTAs yeah. than, than my my second year OTAs. And I think if you're able to lay that foundation at this point, you're going to come into training camp, you know, like hitting the ground running. And I think that's where you build that confidence. I know for me it did. Like I said, they have a different challenge in itself because they were obviously they were higher round draft picks than me as well. They have probably a little bit more insurance. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, a little bit, They have a little bit more insurance, but they also have a little bit more attention on them and high expectations upon them. So they have to take it upon themselves to, like I said, same thing I did, look yourself in the mirror, find ways to get better and just go out there and, and be the guy that they drafted you to be. And find that Michael Jordan secret sauce from Space Jam. Cause clearly you <laughs> did that here too. Did your world of good. Another guy I'd left off that list of, you know, players who have made a year to leap and you were teammates very briefly before he did this. And I was on this early in some of the first episodes of this podcast last year saying reminder Stevenson He's going to be the guy, and he's not only going to be the guy, he's going to be a Pro Bowl caliber talent. He breaks out, leads them in receptions, obviously in rushing. And this was a year in which you look at a lot of the advanced metrics and even just the eye test again going back to training camp. You know, the run blocking, the cohesion of that offensive line just really struggled. So not only did he have good numbers just in total and all the volume that he had, but the way he was going about it, breaking tackles and the rate which he made guys miss was incredibly impressive. And I know Bill's spoken to all of his improvements he was a little bit dinged up last year uh, towards the end. I think that slowed him down. Have you talked with him? What do you think about year three from him? Where are things at with Ramondre as far as you can speak and know? I haven't talked with him. I probably last talked with him during the season, but I mean, I expect, you know, bigger and better things for him. I think a lot was thrown on his plate last year with Damian, you know, being in and out of the lineup a little bit. He was probably playing, you know, 80, 90% of the snaps, majority of those games. So that's probably why he ended up getting banged up as a, kind of a new role for him being out there first, second, third down and playing almost the entirety of, you know, every single drive. But I thought as the season went on, he started, you know, he's a better condition, playing with more confidence. He's catching the ball. He's running the ball. He's picking up the blitz. 
So I think, you know, I expect even more from him. He's a very talented guy. I mean, you know, being there when he was a rookie, you know, I never would have imagined him you know, being first, second, and third down back based off of, you know, how we had used guys when I was there. It was usually, you know, one guy who was first and second down back. You have a kind of like a tweener who could play second down and early downs. You have like your, you know, your, your sub back in a sense, but. James White's, yeah, you, it was you. If, if they couldn't get first and second down, they weren't playing because you had all the third down reps. Yeah, no, but no, Bill's a he's a big fan of Ramondre Stevenson. He's a guy that he's you know he loved from the the day he drafted him, and you know I see why now because he's a guy who can who could do it all. Very shifty. He's he's learned the passing game, can win those one on one routes, and I'm sure he'll be coming into this season with you know a lot of confidence. And I feel like you know. He should be the guy. I don't know if it'll be kind of more of the same of him being out there every single, you know, down first, second, third down. I don't know if it'll be Ty Montgomery. I don't know if it'll be, you know, Pierre Strong, whoever may be to kind of spell him and whatnot. But he's a definitely a guy who can do it all. Yeah, it's funny, too, because this goes back to what we talked earlier, thinking about guys who might have struggled in OTAs. And I, thinking now off the top of my head, I, I don't remember how Ramondre was in OTAs, but you mentioned conditioning. I believe yeah. he, he was on PUP the first day yeah. of training camp with, yeah. I want to say Kyle Van Noy in 2021. So Ramondre's rookie season just didn't appear. And normally that's an indicator of you failed the conditioning test. So he's really grown in that aspect. And I know it also from talking to him personally about, you know, when he was in community college, he was loading and unloading, um, you know, product off of pallets at a Walmart, you know, at his hometown, just outside of Vegas. So like this is a guy who I think once he just kind of got his ish together and had a focus, yeah. um, you could see the talent kind of unlocked. Is that is that all resonate from a guy who was with uh, him basically every day that year? A hundred percent. The condition was definitely a huge hurdle that he that he had to get over. But it's a huge hurdle for a lot of people that come into you know that organization for the first time, especially as rookies. I mean, we probably run more than many other teams, and I see those hamstrings, those quads, everything's going to be burning after those first few weeks. But I think once you get a a feel for what it's going to be like on a week to week basis. I think guys get a good grasp for it. And I think you know, as the year went on, you know, I went down his rookie year and then Ramondre started to play a little bit more. You see, he built that confidence throughout that season. So it's just a learning curve for all those guys. And I think that's a big factor when it comes to playing for the Patriots as well. When we were kind of talking about some guys that kind of start slow during OTAs, that conditioning part of it, that's, that's a, a huge thing. You have a lot of veteran guys that, you know, coming to, coming to the Patriot organization and once they get in those, those conditioning drills, some of those guys start to get kind of banged up a little bit and that kind of, you know, allows for a, a slow start or maybe it could rub the coaches the wrong way because, you know, it doesn't look like you're in shape, but you know, it happens. <laughs> yeah. All right. Give us a typical OTA, you know, workout as far as the running goes early first couple of weeks, like we're, we're starting, they're starting practices. Uh, I believe it's later this week. So yeah. What, what are we looking at? For practice week, I throw it back, huh? Let's see. And this, right. to be clear, is for all the folks at home who saw the yeah. stuff that you did on Sundays and is like, yeah. yeah, I did that. You know, JV in high school, <laughs> I was making the same jump <laughs> cut, pick up and scat protection, not a big deal. Like, you know, yeah. hey, you're right. If you can do whatever James is about to say now, working out in May and, and June. Okay, so when the practices start, you probably install the plays that you're going to run that day the night before. So especially for day one, so you, you'll have that. You know, upload ready though. You probably come in probably like 7:30, have a have a team meeting. You know, Bill probably show clips from last year's OTAs and what to do, what not to do, kind of how to practice and whatnot. You go to your offensive meetings, you have a quick offensive meeting, 
kind of go over what drills are going to be run, what you're going to do versus the bags, what you're going to do versus defense, what possible defenses they may run to get you kind of, you know, up to speed when it comes to that quick special teams meeting and whatnot, then probably go out to practice, go up against the defense, you know, go up against the bags on offense, have special teams drills. I mean, there'll be, there's all different sorts of periods, but after that, go to the weight room, get your, <laughs> get your lift in fresh after practice. I mean, you could do it after practice or you could do it, wait till the end of the day, which I wouldn't suggest doing. I suggest doing it right after practice while you, <laughs> while your body's still warm. So you hit the weight room, then come back into another team meeting. And after that, you go back to the offensive meeting to kind of break down. Well, in that team meeting, Bill's going to break down all the positive things that went on, all the negative things that went on. You're going to watch, you know, like the tackling drills. So make sure everybody's you know, up to speed on the tackle, open field drills. going to show the highlights, the lowlights of the guys who, you know, miss a tackle or fumble during the drill. Then you go to your offensive meetings after that to kind of, you know, correct every single play and things of that nature. Then you're, you're done for the day, probably like four o'clock or so. Then come back again whenever, maybe. I think you only do three practices a week or something like that. So rather day off or whatever it may be, not day off, but you want to have practice. But rest, active <laughs> rest. Yeah. 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 Um, what's, what's the running like, though, specifically? Like, how bad is that when you, even guys who are with other teams, hard nosed, NFL players, elite athletes come here and they're like, oh my God. <laughs> uh, it's tough. I say on Mondays, I know we would do tempo runs. We, it's kind of hard to describe without doing it. You can run like 80 or you can run 160, 60. Yeah, probably like sets of different sprints for like five of them. But at the end of the day, you're going to run like a total of like 1200 yards or so. Wow. The next day, next day is like Tuesday. We do tempo runs where you, you run for three minutes straight and you got to, for different skill positions, you got to accumulate a certain amount of yards. But for running back, I think we had to get like 600, like 90 yards in like three minutes or something like that. Like Wednesday, that was the day off. Thursday, what are we do on Thursday? I mean, I may have them back, backwards, but I forget what we do on Thursday. But Friday, we do the conditioning test, which is 2060s do 10 and 10 you got like a three minute break in between skill you got to make it above got to make it in eight seconds for 60 yards so it's, it's, so you're saying the they're 2060s you're talking 20 60 yard sprints and yeah everyone has to be under eight seconds yeah you can cross the line at eight seconds yeah oh okay so you're like sticking the chest out kind yeah, of like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not it's not like a full-blown sprint or anything that the conditioning test is the easiest conditioning that we do, honestly. Okay. What's the hardest? <laughs> Everything thing? The, probably tempo runs or the three minute, probably three minute run. That's where that's where guys really <laughs> that's where those hamstrings really start to get a lot of those newcomers. That's where Ramondre used to struggle with the most. He'd be throwing up in the middle <laughs> in the middle of the run, all types of stuff. <laughs> oh, see now we can say this because he's overcome yeah. the obstacle. We can laugh yeah, about it looking yeah. back. But so, so, so reminder, he's bent over, you know, having it up a little bit. Like we all yeah, were at yeah. some point, kind of freshman JV football in high school. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I stunk at it. We started it probably like my second or third year. I, I, I was terrible at it. But then, you know, as the years go on, you kind of know what to expect. You get, get your pace and you're ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Who, uh, who surprisingly blew everyone away? Who was maybe like an O or D lineman who was incredibly well conditioned? Because I think someone last week, um, Maybe it was James Robinson, who I want to ask uh, about now, was saying Mac Jones is like, yeah, can run yeah, for days. Yeah, he can, he can run for days. <laughs> Mac can run for days. A D lineman that can run for days. Yeah, our old lineman. Mm, D lineman. 
where he's like a little closer to you than than he should be, well, and you're they, like, okay, they, I got. Well, they don't. The D linemen don't run with us, but oh, okay. They, they David Andrews is really good at like the three man runs. But he's a guy who who's done it so many times. I think the guys who are <laughs> experienced it, yeah, are the best at it because you you know what to expect. You know your pace. You just just get it done. <laughs> All right, fair enough. That makes sense. It honestly sounds like more of a mental game at that point. You yeah, know, yeah, so it's definitely like, more mental. Yeah, it's yeah. all mental. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, I mentioned James Robinson. He's coming in. I, I think this is a great buy low signing for the Patriots and for agency. I think you and I last talked somewhere around then. Um, did you, have you watched him at all? Because everyone goes the rookie year twenty twenty was outstanding. You know, proved himself as a pass catcher over a thousand yards. Dinged up, traded to the Jets last year. Downhill from there, they got him on a cheap deal. The, the ceiling here seems to be a really good one-two punch with him and Ramondre. What do you make of that that signing and, and that potential combination? I think it's a solid signing. Obviously, I think he has the potential of filling in. You know, the Damian Harris type role. He can be your power back and spell somebody as a third down back as well. He's has some success in this league, just has to stay healthy. But I think it could be a great deal for the Patriots if he can be healthy and get back to the player that he once was. And I said, yeah, a few solid games with the Jets. I know he got there kind of midseason and whatnot, but I'm sure he's a guy he's trying to, you know, prove himself still in a sense. And I said, why not get a guy like that who you've seen rush for over a thousand yards? Not many guys have done it. I haven't done it, so yeah. <laughs> he's one step ahead of me when it comes to that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it was coming at 21, and the hip just stopped yeah, you. That was the only yeah, thing I, stopping you, not Damian, not Mondre. Have you talked to Damian, actually, now that he's uh, that he's in Buffalo at all? I, I talked to him a little bit. Like He's excited for the opportunity, obviously. You know, I thought he could have bargained more interest from a lot of teams, but I said he's a guy who's still wanting to prove himself, and I'm, I'm excited to watch him go out there and play. Obviously, he's... <laughs> Gets to play against the Patriots twice a year. Uh, so that'd be a fun matchup. And like I said, he's a friend for life, a guy who I check in on all the time. So I'm excited to see him play this year. So it sounds like he'll have a little extra juice kind of coming coming to Fox. But I think it's week seven. <laughs> I mean, he, he always brings the juice. If anybody knows Damien, he has juice. Whether it's the Patriots, whether he's playing his own teammates during practice, he, he always brings the juice, yelling and screaming everything. Yeah, I think uh, – <laughs> I don't remember what day, maybe Thursdays or Fridays locker room. It was, I think they were doing like a vertical jump contest and it was just, you, you could never hear the numbers. You just heard the screaming and it was just yeah, Damien yeah, yeah. getting after it yeah. at that last He's always year. screaming. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, good for him. And yeah, honestly, I mean that signing, you know, including James Robinson, you know, quality player didn't even um, get t- uh, tendered as a restricted free agent, super saturated this year and team yeah. got teams like the Raiders, and Giants tagging guys like Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley. There was just such a deep market for running backs. I think teams could afford to sit back and go, okay, we don't, you know, have to offer Damian Harris as much, yeah. which is strange because sitting on the other end, you know, franchise tag probably provides good value, but it's still not cheap. I think it was around $10, $11 million. Yeah. Running back market is, is tough. They're trying to get those prices down <laughs> a yeah. lot more than what they were. And it's, it's hard because, you know, they feel like they can, you know, draft a guy or, you know, find a guy for a little bit cheaper or, you know, do running back by committee to accomplish the same goal that a, you know, a quote-unquote feature guy can do. But I think there's definitely still some unique guys in this league that deserve to get paid. And it's just unfortunate that they're devaluing the running back position. But it's a passive league now, even though, you know, a lot of these good football teams, you know, they're able to run the ball during the postseason. But they, I guess they feel like they can get it done with a group of guys versus, you know, that one guy. 
Yeah, it's kind of partly keeping them fresh, right? You know, you need yeah. to have those bodies available if you're going to go deep in the playoffs now, 17 games, and you just – you can pick these guys out of Wisconsin in the fourth round and they're just going to end up being you know, <laughs> three Super Bowls. So I don't know yeah. if you feel any blame for that, James, but I feel like you could shoulder a little bit maybe here. I, I can shoulder a little bit of the blame, but like I said, everybody's oh, going to find their role on the different teams. And I said, I still think running back should be a feature position. And there's a lot, of, especially guys like Saquon and other guys, Tony Pollard, guys like that who got franchised. I think they deserve to get at least – Maybe not like a five-year deal. They can get a two, three-year deal when they get paid a, a ton of money, just like they're paying these receivers twenty million a year. When you know backs, we got we got to pass block, we got to catch the ball, we got to run the ball, we got to do everything on the offense aside from throw it. So, amen. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and I, I I'm on the side of there's there's a lot to do with you know your production. It's depend on the offensive line, what kind of defensive yeah. look do you get? But the the running backs who you mentioned who can act as receivers and join in that pass protection are increasingly valuable skills and then you throw in guys like Mondre and yourself who could create yards on your own when the play goes wrong you understand how to play the defense's leverage against it maximize whatever yards you have because that's when you separate yourself you know as a running back or someone who can consistently produce regardless of what the situation is running passing well blocked not any kind of combination of errors you know where to go because you know the playbook and you've got these feet that you know I, I, I don't know since you I think Mondre has probably the lightest feet that dude's got like 30 pounds on you, but it's just, I, I kept saying last year, I think he's going to levitate for a first down because he just, he just, he just dances across the field. Yeah, it's, it's impressive. Like I said, when he got drafted here, like I never would have expected a guy like himself to be able to make guys miss the way he does, but he just continues to get better and better at it. He has quick feet for his size. He can run through you. So kind of keeps the defense really off balance. It's hard. It's hard to play a guy like that because especially when he gets to the second level, like what do you, what are you going to play for? A guy trying to run you over and try to make you miss. <laughs> yeah. And, and and he has enough speed to take it the distance as well. So Well, now that he's conditioned, yes, of course. And, yeah, of course, yeah. I, I tease about that. But another he, fourth rounder. So he, you want to talk he, about Even when he wasn't conditioned, he took he, in the preseason, he took it like 80 yards his rookie year. So he, <laughs> Washington, wasn't it? Down, yeah, down the yeah, right yeah. sideline, fourth quarter. He yeah. ended up being the leading rusher for that game. I think it was the opener. And everyone's yep. like, oh, fourth round pick. And here I am, you know, an idiot at the time, but since I've learned and been standing for Ramondre ever since, being like, okay, cool. Leading rusher in the fourth preseason game. I didn't see the field till the fourth quarter. Great job, Andrew Callahan. Great, great analysis there because you mentioned you took it to the house and that's that's what counts. It's it's hard to predict, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially the preseason. That's a whole other discussion. What are the values of OTAs? What can we learn here? Hell, preseason, we we the media lead everyone so far astray during that time. Uh, but hey, you know what? That's all we got. Now we have one fewer preseason game, so the takes are gonna be even crazier. All right. I have two more questions. Um, all right. So James, you were in the uh house uh retirement house video, star Devin McCordy, but here you are coming in to steal the show. My best performance. By far, it, it's a great cameo, obviously, by Tom at the end. I don't know if that was a surprise to you, but you're there mowing the lawn. Ivan, who is definitely holding back, dropping five F-bombs, telling you to keep mowing. But you're a natural, man, so you you must have mowed lawns growing up as a kid. Almost definitely. My dad definitely had, you know, myself, my brother, you know, my cousins, my friends, and they were over on the weekends. And you were there, we were help cutting that yard. And like I said, it's a, it's a fun experience. I said, I'm going to start cutting my own yard now. Now that I'm done, retired, bring back a lot of memories. <laughs> yeah. So what was the best part of that video? And for people who have no idea what the hell you and I have been talking about the last minute, this was the video the Patriots social media team produced for the schedule release, which I partly ruined by leaking a lot of the games. 
uh, that they had and I could find out and report during the day. But nonetheless, nothing I did could top, again, your performance or the whole performance put on. Filming that day, what was the best part? Again, I mentioned Deb was there. Tom Brady uh, made a cameo at the end of the video. I don't know if he was on site. Ernie, it's like this whole house tip, like everything. Tell, tell me something I'm not listing that was the best part for you. Uh, I mean, well, for myself, I know when I was there, it was only me and Ivan. So okay. everybody was there. Everybody was there at separate times. So that that was kind of the cool part about seeing that we were there at separate times, but they can make it seem like we were all there at one time. That was really cool. But the fun part was just watching I bark those things out to me. That was that was hilarious. Gonna just brought back memories of being out on the practice field and him sitting there with Dunkin' Donuts coffee, just yelling. I, like you said, he definitely wanted to yell some f bombs and curse, but and. Also, the funny part about it because every time they recorded, he said something different. So that that, that all right, he's that, that like a real hamming it up here. Like he's, yeah, yeah. things are natural. Yeah, yeah, it was hilarious. <laughs> was he very coachable as the longest running assistant for a long time, except for Star here in New England? Yeah, yeah I mean, he he was coachable. They they let him be him. Like I said, he I don't think he repeated the same thing one time when he was saying <laughs> his. Like, <laughs> but you were loyal to the script, the same like motion, everything. I mean, they, they made they made some adjustments each and every time, which, okay. which I was kind of upset about. I was supposed to have some lines in that, but I, they didn't. Oh, they yanked you. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I didn't. I never said anything when I was there, but oh, okay. Originally, when I agreed to it, they sent me some lines that I was supposed to say, and I was prepared for it. But hey. wait, well, what uh, what were the lines? You can say them now. We'll give you the the platform here. It's not as good, but we got video. <laughs> I mean, I honestly forgot the lines. <laughs> okay, James, this is why they didn't let you say the line in the first place. If you can't see them a couple of weeks later. We recorded like a month ago. So okay, like... all right. I got you. Um, so you didn't see anyone. The house is at, you know, is in an actual neighborhood. Do you know if that was owned by someone, by the team? I'm watching that. And obviously, all the memorabilia is there just for shooting and everything. But, like, did someone have to move for a week? Do you know anything about the house? It was an Airbnb somewhere in Walpole. So, it was kind of cool there. A huge yard there. I know the, I don't know, there's some neighbors out there looking at us. But a lot of camera people. It was cool how it all set up. And like it was fun watching it all come to light because I I only knew my, me and Ivan's part. I didn't know anybody else's part. So I was just as, you know, surprised at everything else. So you were just as shocked to see Tom at the end because that, that was the yeah. big moment for me. Yeah, I, I had no idea. I, I only knew Devin. I think I probably only knew Devin was going to be in there. I didn't know who else was all involved with it, but it turned out really, really good. I mean, I highly doubt Tom was actually there at the house. That was right. probably yeah. at his own Yeah, not house. driving a wall pole on his schedule <laughs> yeah. when he's yeah. now yeah. going to Vegas to buy the Raiders, the second <laughs> team in City. Yeah, yeah. Part, part of the Raiders. Um, that's fantastic. Yeah, he was – actually, speaking of Tom, and, and if you notice in the video, the background is a little bit different than everyone else, too. Um, he's coming back for the opener. Do you have plans to come to week one against the Eagles, see him at all? Like, I know everyone's going to reach out. To, the weekend's all about him. I'm sure you're, you know, hey, if I see him, great. But it's, you know, I'm going to step back and, you know, but maybe he needs you to be a security guard. Like, third down, <laughs> blitz pick up again. Like, you, you go right out in front. What what, what are your plans? Said, uh, no, I don't have any plans for it right now. Obviously, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of former teammates and a lot of, you know, fans trying to get to that game. So, as of right now, I don't have any plans to go, although I, I would love to be there for that. Obviously, I'm sure there's going to be so much going on. I'd yeah. probably be able, to see, be able to see him and talk to him for like a brief second. But I definitely want to be able to take my my kids to the game, you know, before we end up moving back to Illinois and whatnot. So that would be a fun one to go to, obviously. Oh, good for you. So you're moving to Illinois. Breaking news yeah, here. I mean, we, we, I mean, we, ha we have a place in Illinois okay. currently right now. We just 
we came back to Massachusetts. My son has a bunch of food allergies and the crash actually introduced us to this lady who could help cure him. So that's why we came back. It takes about like a year or two years or so. So that's, that's where we're at. <laughs> that's fantastic. Good for you. I hope everything is that coming along. Well, treatment seems to be going yeah. well. Everything's been going well so far. So hopefully it stays on that track. Love it. Love to hear it. All right. Well, you will have to keep us posted on that. I'd love to connect again sometime during the season. We'll talk about whether all these things we said about OTAs are coming true. If Ramondre misses day one at training camp, we'll both know why. Of course, kidding about one of the best players on the roster. Um, James, this was great. Thanks for coming on. It's always good to see you, buddy. No problem. Thanks for having me.